Hey everybody, this is Alan Fine. I'm here with Arnold Donald, the president and CEO of Carnival Corporation. Uh, we're on Holland America's Rotterdam. Uh, we've, we're here with about 800 travel advisors for their Attitude of Gratitude conference. And uh, we're gonna talk to Arnold about Holland America Line, as well as Carnival's other brands here on Insider Travel Report. So uh, if I don't ask you this, I don't know who I'm gonna ask. It's uh, How's the recovery of cruising going uh, for all the corp? Hey, look, you know, the recovery, we're a global business, um, but the recovery is going very well. As we say in the last business update, we have about two-thirds of the fleet sailing. Um, our Carnival brand, as we shared, um, where they have similar itineraries to what they had pre-COVID. Um, we have nearly all the ships. We'll have all 23 ships by May sailing, and, um, and the occupancies are almost to normal levels, you know, you know, still a little light because of protocols, et cetera. Um, but we are doing very well and Carnival continues to outperform. The rest of the brands, you know, varying amounts of ships at, out because of destination limitations, you know, Australia's closed, China's closed, Japan is not open yet. Hopefully they'll be opening soon. But the recovery is going well. Guests are having a great time. Right. And we are absolutely acting in the best interest of public health. And we have the data and the evidence to show that um, incidence of COVID on ships is far less than what you see shoreside. So uh, what lessons did you learn from COVID? I, I think that was also the topic this afternoon. Yeah, well, look, um, I think the you look for the silver linings. And in COVID, because we have the nine brands, I had been promoting within our corporation, communicate, collaborate, coordinate. Uh, and because we're in crisis mode, that happened at a much higher level than it had previously. We were making progress, but that progress was dramatically accelerated. And now it's become muscle memory. So we can share best practices, adapt them more quickly, you know, throughout the fleet. Um, we share and leverage, you know, costs um, things, but most importantly, we share great ideas. So that's the silver lining. That's the silver lining. Um, the, the problems, um, obviously, um, were many, and but we got through them. We're resilient. The industry is resilient. Our travel agent partners are resilient, and we're all just looking forward to sailing again and yeah, putting. No, some no, in in retrospect, would you have done something different? I mean, ref would help you the next time if something happened. We would have maybe made a few decisions along the way differently, but that's always the case. Um, but the bottom line is, um, overall, our people were dedicated and committed. They delivered above and beyond. I mean, we have restarted so many shifts, and throughout that time, we honored our highest responsibility: compliance, environmental protection, and the health, safety, and well-being of everyone. And that's, of course, our guests. It's also the people in the communities we touch and serve, and in our also the travel advisors. Yeah, travel took advisors. Care of them. We care. We took care of them. So that's that's the communities we touch and serve, okay. and then of course our people, shipboard and shoreside. You're quoted as saying, "We love the regulators." <laughs> What's your relationship with the CDC now? Look, um, everybody has a job to do. I respect that they have a job to do, and there are, are bodies similar to CDC in other countries. We go to 700 destinations around right. the world. We have, we have to, to deal, deal with them all. We have to deal with them all. And so we understand that. And so everybody's trying to do what they think is best and, 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 and what they feel um, is honoring their commitment to their job and, and, and the purpose of their role. And so we respect that. Um, having said that, we did not feel treated fairly. We felt that Cruz was absolutely 
being held to a ridiculously higher standard than the rest of travel and leisure. You were already no, safe. Yeah, with no science behind it or no real data behind it. And the data says the opposite, right. okay? And so, so we were frustrated with that, but we kept working with them and other agencies in the government, which helped a lot. We got you know lots of people involved. We ended up with an interagency group, which included the CDC. To, to share thoughts, and, and we've made progress together. And so look, they have a job to do. We have to respect that, and we will always be in compliance wherever we go. So having said that, you know, also we're gonna try to introduce science and information that tells the real story so that guests have the opportunity to experience the great joyful vacation experiences that we deliver. Unfortunately, we have to address what is the impact of the conflict Ukraine and Russia on the cruise lines and specifically your brands? You know, first of all, you know, of course, our hearts go out to everyone who's been impacted and, and there's certainly some painful impacts. Mm -hmm. I can see it on the faces mm -hmm. of a lot of our Ukrainian crew. Mm -hmm. And um, you, you see them, mm -hmm. you know, just mm -hmm. with pained expressions mm -hmm. and, and it's very difficult. Um, at the same time, you know, we have members also on the other side. Yeah, we respect. Uh, well, the other side isn't quite true, but uh, what I would say is we have Russian crew, yeah. and, and, and you can't presume that they are supportive right? Um, or whatever, and so, so I, I, I think spoke we, by saying the other side. The there other is no side, side here. This no is a human side. side. It's a human side. Everybody's, you know, and, and we stand for peace, and we respect all of our crew. They're all individuals. They all have family. They all have loved ones, and, um, and we respect them all. And, and we stand for peace. And so um, having said that, the practical, from a business, the pure business yeah. standpoint, you know, we're losing St. Petersburg, which is mm -hmm. a very popular mm -hmm. destination um, for the trade, a very high yielding destination, et cetera. But we'll replace it, and, and that's the beauty of our business. Our ships are movable. You know, they're, they're mobile assets, and we have been disrupted in places around the world you know, lots of times, and and we're resilient, and we'll find, and we're replacing Saint Petersburg with with other destinations, and we'll still have great Baltic cruises. You know, assuming the world doesn't go into a higher state. Of, well, that was my next question. I mean, what would, what would happen? What would we do? Oh yeah, look, um, there's only two things that hold back cruise and travel in general, and that's you can't travel, or you're afraid to travel. Okay, other than that, it's in our nature mm -hmm. to want to travel and experience mm -hmm. things. I mean, that's just who we are as a, as a species. And so um, clearly um, I'm hoping for, praying for, uh, doing in little ways whatever we can do um, to push for peace so people are free to travel. You know, we have um, crew from 145 countries across our nine World Indian Cruise Line brands. Mm -hmm. um, we have guests from I don't know how many countries there are in the world today, but at different mm -hmm. times been from over 200 countries. You're we little bring UN. them together. Yeah. We bring them together and they learn what they have and they discover what they have in common. And then they learn to appreciate the differences rather than to fear them. Absolutely. It's crew to crew, crew to guests you know, crew and guests to locals, um, guests to guests. And so when you look at all of that, if people get to spend time together, they discover what they have in common, love for family, you know, basic desire, you know, for uh, prosperity in life, meaning fullness of life. These are common human needs. And when people discover that, that becomes a basis that they can then deal with all the differences, different opinions, different religions, different science beliefs, whatever it might be. And, and they learn to discuss and work through those things, you know, rather than to fear them and, and act out of fear.
Now, as uh, we're coming out of the pandemic, bookings are starting to increase, I assume. W did this conflict have an effect on bookings in, uh, in Europe and over there? Well, you know, we're between, we're a publicly traded company uh, between quarters. I can't give a business update per se. Mm -hmm. But what I can tell you is, is historical. So um, whenever things happen that create uncertainty, uh, we, we, we usually see some kind of, anytime there's a general impact on consumer confidence, you know, we see some, you know, of that play out to some degree in booking patterns, um, usually. How long it lasts, yeah. how the, to the extent, depends on the uncertainty that gets created and how long that uncertainty lasts. And then taking care of your team members uh, in the conflict, how difficult has that been and, and what are you doing to help them? Yeah, well, first of all, um, we send letters to our guests. Um, we wanted to make sure our guests were informed um, that if they see a crew member that happened to have you know, a Russian, I'm um, from Russia on, on their name badge that, you know, that crew member, you know, wasn't judged inappropriately. Mm -hmm. um, and we also wanted to make certain that they knew we were supporting our Ukrainian crew in every way we can. So we've done multiple things, including making certain they could get paid because with the sanctions in place, you know, and with the conflict, um, for the Russians getting paid, but also for the Ukrainians, um, you know, um, just having access because the ones that have, are working they right now may be the only source of income for their families while everything is shut down and, and they're under duress. And so, you know, they, their entire family network may be dependent on them. Mm -hmm. So we want to make sure that, that they're taken care of that way. If they want to go home, we want to figure out a way to do that. If they need to stay longer, we want to figure out a way to do that. And so we want to support them in any way possible because they are part of our family. I knew you were working on it. That's what I wanted to ask. Thank you. Yes. Uh, we talked about sustainability with Gus Antorcha for, for Holland America, but for the bigger picture, are you meeting your deadlines? Are you feeling good about your goals? Well, we feel great about sustainability goals. You know, we peaked in carbon emissions in 2011. Our capacity has increased 25%, and in absolute emissions, we are lower in emissions today than we were in 2011. So we've also achieved a nearly 30% reduction in carbon intensity, you know, from our base year. Uh, I think it was 2008 or so, uh, and we have an aspiration, you know, to be down 40% by 2030, mm -hmm. um, and then obviously we're going for net zero emissions by mm -hmm. 2050, but my ultimate aspiration is zero emissions, right. and it's going to take technology yeah. to make that happen, mm -hmm. no question about it, um, but, you know, technology eventually comes, and we're investing in fuel cell technology and lithium-ion battery technology and biofuels and so on. And obviously, we put in advanced air quality systems, and we have shore power on, on you know, almost 56% right. of our fleet now. So we're doing all the things we can do, itinerary planning, more efficient lighting, less waste, you know, less food waste, you know, uh, et cetera, you know, more efficient recycling, all of that to make certain we're doing our part. And as I mentioned to you before, I believe, um, the cruise industry, if it did not exist, you couldn't measure the change in emissions on the planet. Space is the final frontier. What's, what's the future for Carnival? <laughs> I look forward to the day when there will be cruising in space and you can travel through the solar system and um, enjoy yourself on basically a space cruise vessel. That would be a fantastic thing. And candidly, I'm yeah, sure, I'm sure it'll have, happen. You would ha Holland America would have experts <laughs> and locals <laughs> all speaking to the to the guests. I know what I can picture what it would look like. Exactly. But anyway, you talked about uh, a more uh, earthly. Uh, you talked about um, 
sustainability and frictionless was really were your goals there. So yeah, one thing you know, frictionless travel um, and highly customized travel. Um, everything is going that way. People want everything to be easy. You know, tell your microwave to cook, don't touch it. You know, tell your you know TV what to do, don't touch it, etc. Um, everybody wants frictionless, and everybody wants highly customized for their taste and preferences. So that's where this whole thing is headed. Um, on Holland America Line in particular, um, we do that with high touch service. Um, we are adapting technologies, artificial intelligence technology, other things to better understand what the guests want. So we make sure we have that available to them. Um, in some of the other brands, like Princess has Princess Medallion, which is, you know, I gave a talk at the Consumer Electronics Show several years ago, and it's come to life. Yeah. I mean, you know, you can own a, a princess ship. You don't have to, uh, the, the little disc, the, your door recognizes you. You, it's touchless. You can order. Your food will find anywhere on the ship, et cetera. And it's a it's a great approach. Um, our Carnival brand has you know the Carnival Hub app and so on. And so everybody's coming up with different approaches, and we'll see which ones went out in the end. But it's all marching the same direction: frictionless, highly customized travel for the individual. So as you know, we're going out to over 100,000 travel advisors, and part of this is just to get them to land the right customer on the right product. So you were talking about the differences between Princess and Holland America Line, and uh, I have a recording of that. Um, but what would you like to say at this point juncture about your your interpretation? Of that? I, I would I like to make it broader, you know, and I, I'll get to the specific as well too. But but frankly, that is the power of a travel professional is is advising their client. You know, what's the right fit for the vacation moment that client is looking for? That is the value of a, of a And that's why we need them so desperately, because we want the right person on the ship. We don't want just anybody on. It has to be someone who's looking for what that brand is providing. And you said uh, when you were asked what the differences were, you said, well, ask a travel advisor. That's really their, their job, and, that's what, and they know it. And they know it. But you, you were pretty good at it, too. So what did you say? <laughs> so I'm saying, you know, if you look at Princess and Holland America, if you look at the demographics of income and age, they completely are identical in age and income. Identical. Mm -hmm. The people are so different <laughs> in the moment they're on those ships. Yeah. So, you know, I, I generally describe, you know, Princess as more Southern California chic, the presentation of the product, the type of food, the nature of the experiences, how you get to tours, how you know, it, it's all catered to a particular kind of uh, profile. Doesn't really mean it's only for Southern California people or people want to be chic or anything. It's just a descriptor. Um, but 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 that Holland America, you know, is is a different animal. It it has um, music and it has uh, just but the food choices are different. The way things are presented are different. Princess, you're more likely to kayak to something. In Holland America, you're more likely to take an air-conditioned bus or a train or whatever. It's just a different ilk. Similar age, similar income. And if you're in Ketchikan, Alaska, you could stand there and watch the two ships arrive, and you would be able to stand there and point as people get off, Princess, Holland America, because the clients are different because they're looking for slightly different things. And that's the beauty of the cruise industry. The brands are all so differentiated. And there's maybe a half a billion people a year that take extended holiday vacations pre-COVID. Mm -hmm. 30 million is the most we could sell in the entire cruise industry. Right. So, and within that 30 minute, million, it's highly differentiated brands. Seaborn is so different 
than Carnival or you know, I wanted you to talk about Seaborn too. I mean, yeah, ultra luxury, small, high touch, I mean, completely different. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're looking for a family vacation, it's unlikely you'll take Seaborn. Okay, if you're taking your grandparents and um, extended neighbors and stuff, it's unlikely you'll take Seaborn. If you're doing a smaller group, a tight knit group, and you're looking for ultra luxury experience and small intimate experience, you're going to take the super yacht that Seaborn is. Um, but also Aida our German brand. It's 98% German source. Mm -hmm. Whatever we do with Carnival or P&O in the UK, which is 96% British source, has nothing to do with AIDA. It's mm -hmm. very differentiated. So that 30 million mm -hmm. is super differentiated. And Costa, uh, you know, our continental European brand, basically Italian um, um, image, again, very different. It's um, about 90-something percent continental European source. Mm -hmm. uh, so these brands are all so different from each other. And, and, and they're different from Pure brands well, if you too. want immersion, those brands are great. For oh, absolutely. Yeah, if you if you want to feel a real German brand, mm -hmm. you go on Aida. If you want to feel a real Italian brand, you go on Casa. Mm -hmm. And so there is some sampling of that by a small percentage of folks, uh, but the bulk of their sourcing is, is national. Uh, so with that in mind, uh, I just think the future for the cruise industry is so bright. We have the opportunity to grow tremendously while we can't grow the cabins that fast because it's only so many shipyards. So the industry has a really bright future. People want to travel, they want experiences. We can offer highly differentiated experience that meets the vacation moment that the client is looking for. And that's what we want our travel um, advisor partners to understand. Last question, just tell them, our travel advisors want advice. Okay. What advice do you have for them at this time? Advice is stay resilient and um, take advantage of the boom that's coming. Um, you, some of you are experiencing already with land-based um, vacations, uh, you're experiencing it already, um, but as cruise is coming on super strong, as time goes forward, you know, take advantage of it. Learn and understand the differences in the brand so you can put the client in the right moment and the right experience, because then you will have a client forever and we'll have repeat cruise guests, which is of course our objective. And together, we'll be creating joyful, memories and joyful experiences for individuals and families the world over and doing and doing good and doing good and creating you know bringing people together helping people learn and making the world a smaller smaller better place thank you thank you for talking to us thank you appreciate it and this is alan fine for insider travel report